welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Hi, it's Wednesday. It's June the 30th. It's a day before July. We are halfway through 2021, if you can comprehend that madness. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast dedicated to bringing you news and thoughts about the newest in media, and that includes movies, television, video games, and music, but not necessarily in that order. We like to mix it up here. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. Uh, it's episode 285, I think. And 286, yeah, we're halfway through, 285, one of those. 86. And yeah, we're halfway through the year <laughs> as yes. of this recording. Yeah, June 30th. Can you believe it? Uh, I yeah. try not to. <laughs> with half a year becomes um, uh, comes with it. Summer months, uh, heat waves across the country right now. If you're in the U.S., um, so yeah, uh, stay cool out there. We'll try to keep it cool in here by giving you all the news and thoughts that you expect from us. And we start as always with movies, and we start movies with the weekend box office numbers. And what was our over under last week for? Thirty-five. <laughs> okay, then yeah, you just missed it. Just missed it. So your number one movie is, of course, F9, The Fast Saga, uh, the newest in the Fast and Furious movie, uh, movie series. That made $70 million, which, yes, is right under your prediction. So, so I guess I win That's this one. But um, nonetheless, a pretty good debut, considering we're still in, pro- in a pandemic protocol in a lot of areas. Uh, enough people saw this uh, movie in its opening weekend to do a decent, do a decent job. And I expect... A similar number, if not, um, of course, lower, but like similarly uh, exuberant number, considering that this coming weekend is the July 4th holiday weekend. Uh, But we'll see what happens with that next week. As for the rest of your top five, A Quiet Place Part 2 sits at another $6 million. That's at $136 million domestic total. Bitman's Wife Bodyguard is at number three with another 4.8 million. That's at 25.8. Peter Rabbit 2 is your number four with $4.7 million. That's at 28 even. And rounding out your top five, Cruella, $3 million. That is sitting at 71 million domestic right now. Uh, yeah, not a, not a bad a bunch of numbers this week. It seems like everything is slowly ticking up higher as more people feel comfortable going to movies. I mean, F9 was the big one to go mm-hmm. see if you're going to see a movie. But still, I mean, yeah, not still made $6 million. Seems, still made $3 million. Yeah, it seems like stuff trickled down enough where enough people are seeing movies. Um, not bad. In case you're seeing movies this weekend, there will be a couple of new, ch- or a few new choices for you out there. First up is Zola, which technically comes out today. What is this? No idea, but I've been seeing ads everywhere, and I keep ignoring them. Good good call. Uh, We also have The Forever Purge, which, of course, is the newest in the Purge series of horror movies. But if you want something for the kids, The Boss Baby, colon, Family Business, the sequel to, of course, The Boss Baby, the DreamWorks film, uh, finally comes out after... uh, Years of Netflix series and commercials and all sorts of marketing involving the Boss Baby. The Boss Baby is back. Yes, so. but if you don't want to take your family to a movie theater, no. good news. 
You can watch The Boss Baby, colon, Family Business, on Peacock this weekend. If wow. you have Peacock Premium. Good. The premium. good to know. I will not be doing that, but a uh, good recommendation for those who want to be doing that. Yes. Uh, do note um, that for people who actually do care about this, <laughs> assuming that Forever Purge and Boss Baby do end up taking either two or three, because I don't think they'll pass Fast 9 at even at 35 million. No. Uh, this will mean that Universal will have the top three slots at the box office after this weekend. Not bad for a company that had at one point uh, been out of, in a feud with the theater chains over <laughs> digital revenue versus theatrical. So yeah, it would be uh, it would be an interesting uh, comeback, I guess you could say, for theatrical uh, Universal releases. Um, all right, well, let's move on to movie news, why don't we? On that note, we will circle back to Fast 9 at the end of this news. But uh, for now, let's talk about news. Speaking of Fast 9 and other movies that were scheduled for release later this year, it looks like a lot of studios are getting those new releases back on schedule. Fast 9 pulled in $70 million, as we mentioned, making the largest opening at a box office since Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker back in 2019. Marvel's it's Black... so long. Yeah, I know. Oh, the house oh, days. Oh, 2019. 2019. Where you disappointed us with The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Marvel's Black Widow is expected to do the same type of numbers next weekend for Disney. Uh, obviously not this coming weekend, but the weekend following. Also, four notable blockbusters started production filming on Monday, signifying a long-awaited sign of confidence from Hollywood. Those include Aquaman and The Lost Kingdom, which has entered production 18 months ahead of its release on December 16th, 2022. John Wick Chapter 4, which has entered production this week 11 months before its release on May 27th, 2022. And Knives Out 2, which rolled cameras in Greece and expected to conclude shooting by August. Lastly, Noah Baumbach, indie favorite, has been started has started filming his upcoming film for Netflix titled White Noise, which, because it's a Noah Baumbach film, stars Greta Gerwig, Adam Driver, and Jodie Turner Smith. What? Like you're surprised they're not starring yeah. in it? <laughs> right. You're do your uh, Noah Baumbach uh, bingo cards right now. Um, what's the odds of a Ben Stiller in there? somewhere anyway somewhere (laughs) so yeah uh it's positive news if you're a studio it means things are getting back rolling like usual um there is currently a conversation nationwide about whether or not we should be prepared uh for the delta variant of the covid uh virus uh, whether or not that's going to affect uh roll like is that's going to cause rollback for more mask use or less mask use we're still in a limbo period right now uh so it remains to be seen whether or not we will see a return to mask protocol um but seems like the studios are rolling forward nonetheless assuming that this will eventually fizzle out and 2022 releases will be as normal uh we'll see We'll see. Yeah, that Delta variant is being watched by Hollywood. Um, Currently, CDC mask protocols are for large gathering indoors, which does include big like box production studios. And production studios. 
um, hopefully like for movie sake and all those jobs in production that it doesn't go to that. Yeah. That being said, I'm pretty sure they're still following production protocols of trying to keep everybody safe. Cause you, yeah. as we talked about earlier this year, I mean, with pointing at Jurassic Park Dominion had to shut down production because of breaking COVID protocols, or we could end up with another uh, mission impossible situation with Tom Cruise going ballistic on somebody for not right. following protocols. Right. I mean, we'll find out. We got a little bit of time to figure uh, figure everything out and let the you know let everything fall as it may. But uh, but yeah, we'll keep an eye out for it. Next up, the Academy Awards are also keeping an eye out on their rules and regulations as they continue to reform what awards um, like reform their rules to the modern standard. Uh, we've been reporting on this and other award shows doing the same thing. Well, the newest rules for the Academy Awards have been revealed. First, the deadline for eligibility will revert to the standard December 31st date, meaning that a film must be released between March 1st to December 31st of 2021 to be eligible for the 2022 Oscars. Next year, it will revert to the usual calendar year rulings. Second, the number of Best Picture nominees will be 10 without fluctuation, has been the case since 2011, which typically resulted in eight to nine nominees, which means maybe they'll finally use all 10. They have to use 10. (laughs) They have to. to. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Third, mailing DVDs, CDs, and physical screenplays is now prohibited, with digital materials being the only kind permitted via the Academy's own links. Sounds like they learned something from COVID protocol last year. <laughs> so something's going to carry over. Lastly, music will be eligible in for the for the original score category. I feel like this is an incomplete sentence here. This is a very incomplete story here because <laughs> apparently I stopped writing it. You apparently stopped writing reason. the story. Yes. I did see something mentioned about this, but I did not click on it. Um, uh, let's see. I think it was changing it from sixty percent original music down to thirty-five percent okay. original music. Got it. To be eligible for original score. Yes. Got it. So Good this. Time. So anytime you're like being influenced by someone or using samples, mm-hmm. that can. That's why it's being lowered because a lot of people use homage and tunes for other stuff. So right, right, right. That's why they're lowering the original score. So that means the eligibility will be larger for a lot more scores to be considered, which is probably because a good. original score. Right. That's good. Can't find any uh, thing to argue with here. Yes, as we mentioned, of course, I really do hope they use all 10 of those Best Picture nominees. Um, although at this point in the year, it's really unclear what the 2022 Oscar race will be. Um, we're not quite there yet uh, in seeing what is going to be th- that kind of film. So, uh, yeah. Got the Depending rest on how out. fast production goes, and assuming there's no delays, my money is currently writing on Knives Out 2. Okay, all right. Uh, I would say also wouldn't be surprised to see uh, the recently released and media boat uh, lauded In the Heights uh, show up somewhere in Oscar season. Also, the upcoming West Side Story oh. from Steven Spielberg. So That's a shoe-in. That is a shoe-in for Best Picture right there. Um, sight unseen. 
as for everything else, we'll see. Uh, our Oscar watch will continue. Um, depending on how fast it shoots, we'll throw Noah and Bob back in there. Yeah, yeah it'll be the, the token Netflix entry for sure. <laughs> All right. As I mentioned, we're going to circle back to Fast 9, but hold on. We didn't see it. I didn't go to theater for it. But someone did. Uh, yeah, someone did. And it's one of this, the return of one of my favorite segments on the Media Boat Podcast. The Mike's Dad Review. Dad Thoughts. Yeah. Hashtag so Dad Thoughts. Dad went and saw <laughs> A Quiet Place Part 2. Uh-huh. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Okay. Which I forgot to talk about last week. Right. Or that or he mentioned it like after like on Wednesday. <laughs> either way. And then either way. And then uh, Fast Nine as well. Okay. Um, he said he didn't really like A Quiet Place Part Two. Okay. That it was louder than the first one. <laughs> and more talking than the first one. Okay. But also that he couldn't really eat his popcorn. Because when it was mm. quiet, he didn't want to make a noise. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Maybe don't bring popcorn into a quiet place part two. It was fascinating. It was like, oh, courtesy, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. Um, <laughs> then he urged me to go watch Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, mm. saying that it had lots of action. Okay. That's about as far as I got from him. All right. So very action heavy. Put that on the back of the DVD. But yeah, right there. lots of action right there. Lots of action. <laughs> and then uh, Fast Nine movie Fast Nine should be called Week Six. Oh, okay. Apparently, he didn't like it. But what? But why six? Uh, comparing it to Fast Six, I guess. Okay. Or Furious Six is Fast Five and Furious Six. Who can say? So, I thought it was. Well, I don't know. I thought from the previous, it could be more like Fast Five, kind of a return to bombastic action yeah, form. That's so. what I've heard everybody else say, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe he saw the wrong movie. Well, your mileage, see what I did there? May ah, vary. Mileage may vary. All right, let's move on then. I have got no, well, I have a real brief uh, catch up thought. Uh, we did finally finish Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, okay. I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to, uh, especially coming off of Luca last week. <laughs> Compared to Luca, this thing is very, very good. <laughs> like, which is weird because it's longer, but it doesn't feel longer because it doesn't have the like luxurious pace of Luca. It moves at a pretty fast quip. I thought the world building was really efficient, surprisingly efficient, and like really effective. I liked the world that they created. I liked the characters involved um the mythology didn't get so deep that it was like overwhelming um and it was just a fun time it was just like the action was really cool yeah i'm a little disappointed that they didn't commit to having any sort of relationship between um the protagonist and the i guess villain you could say one of the villains um they could have gone a little further than that i think if they had more time but it was already clocking in at two hours i could see why they wanted to maybe fast track that stuff um but honestly i yeah i was shocked with how much fun we had uh watching that one um i feel like it's going to get slept on is my worry that going forward in like five years no one's going to remember raya um and people are gonna be like oh yeah like yeah moana and 
and and all, like Iwata and Frozen and all these like and then skip Raya to whatever the next thing is because it'll be have the big theatrical release and everybody will be excited for it. They'll be hyped for it. I yeah, it makes me very sad that this thing is going to be forgotten. I think in the canon because I had similar a good time. to how everybody forgets Big Hero Six is a thing. <laughs> yeah yeah, more or less. It doesn't. Um, what I was worried, though, one of the things I was worried about is it was going to have the big Hero Six problem, which is this should have been a TV show. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't really fall into that trap. I think they tell the story that they want to tell and they wrap it up with a tight little bow by the end. It actually maybe hurts the chances of this thing being a franchise the way this thing ends, because it ends on such a happy ending that like you can't really do more stories about the thing that the story was told about. Um, which you know. It's a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you're looking at it. Uh, if you were to do a sequel, it would have to go away from everybody coming together and more about dragon lore. Yeah, either that or you would have to have some sort of side effect, some sort of unintended result of what happens at the end. Be like, oh, turns out that this one former faction... I'm trying to say it, not spoilery, but uh, it turns out that these guys are still bitter, and so they're causing problems within. I could imagine that being a turn. That you they mean people who want to have it the way it yeah. used to be? Yeah, exactly. Before I things imagine, were fixed? I could imagine that being an approach, if they wanted to do a Disney Plus series, for example, based well, on this. Good news. They did do a Disney Plus series based on that. It's called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> you know what I mean, though, in this universe. Yes, anyway. I know in that universe, but that story yeah. has already been told. Yeah, but like I think there's a way you could do that here. Um, anyway, yeah, I recommend it actually. If you have Disney Plus, it's now for everybody. Uh, go check it out because I feel like yeah, I feel like it's. I feel like I'm a little bit more positive on this thing than you were actually looking, remembering back. Yeah, you do sound more positive yeah. than I did. I think you were kind of middling about it. Um, uh, I didn't. I wasn't upset that I spent the thirty dollars for it. Yeah. Um, I did go back to it a couple times, like when it came out, but I really haven't gone back since. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I think it's a recommend for me. Um, but yeah, catch it, catch it now. When if you haven't caught it yet, don't. I guess I mean it's too late probably to go to the theater for it. But you probably didn't need to go to a theater for it anyways. But it's a good right. solid. Uh, Disney Plus film now that it's available on there. Um, so yeah, check it out. Okay. So Any, basically, yeah. were you disappointed that you didn't see it? Yeah, actually, originally? I think I think I am. You are. Um, okay. I think that I would have. I think that that would have been a really fun thing to see in the zeitgeist. Um, but still, no harm in waiting. I think that if you haven't seen it, you should still try to try it out. Okay. Any other yeah. movie thoughts before we can move on? none for me okay and we're all good let's move on for television here and our first bit of television as always the sports corner let's talk about sports shall we first up if you uh caught the internet last week you probably (laughs) saw footage of this mess the tour de france the france tour de france whatever however you want to say it um, has commenced, but a spectator took out half the field of racers with around 45 kilometers, that's 28 miles for our U.S. listeners, left in the first stage of the race. It was chaos. And the person immediately fled and 
big manhunt ensued. I bet. Because, uh, yeah, if you're the dude who ruined the tour, you're going to be on the lam for a while. Uh, lady who ruined the tour. Okay, as well. she turned herself into the police earlier today. Okay, cool. Okay. So the hunt is off. Just... She has been... I don't say she's been caught because she turned herself in, but... Yeah. <laughs> just a wild story. Just weird footage. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah. Also, I... if you want to wait till October, I'm pretty sure you'll see a lot of costumes. Oh, Jesus. Well, maybe. maybe. Depends we'll how see. quick internet... Yeah. Uh, means move <laughs> if people remember yeah all right let's move on next up track and field qualifications um are happening as is qualifications for a lot of the tokyo olympics uh arian knighton has become the youngest ever track and field qualifier and the first high school athlete to compete since the 1964 tokyo olympics on the olympic track and field team yes he turned 17 in january Damn. And placed third in the 200 to qualify for him going to the Olympics. So, yeah, not not bad. Uh, must be super, super talented considering his age. So uh, that's exciting to see. Uh, he So just to put it into perspective, he did beat Usain Bolt's record for the U-20 uh, track and field, like, pre, uh, not pre-Olympics, what do they call them? Young Olympics? I, I don't know what the term is, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's like a certain like uh, competition for the under, like where you, where you can't qualify yet for Olympics. Yeah, for younger age. competitors. Yeah. So okay. he beat Usain Bolt's record wow. when he competed. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. He's pretty fast. So he's probably going to continue breaking records as he continues in his career. Young star to look out for. And I feel like this year we're going to have a lot of young stars yeah. to look out for. I would imagine. That's exciting. Cool. But speaking of the Olympics, one person will not be, uh, who will not be participating, uh, well, sorry, who is participating in the Olympics, but is maybe uh, eschewing other duties to do so, is Naomi Osaka, who we talked about a couple weeks ago on this podcast. She will not be attending Wimbledon this weekend so that she can prepare for the Olympics. So Naomi Osaka is from Japan and mm -hmm. she wants to, you know, as most people do, impress on your home turf. Yeah. So she's withdrawn from Wimbledon before it's even started in order to properly prepare herself to compete for her nation on her home turf in widely regarded the highest uh, athletic sporting competition. So odds are put money on her now favorite to win tennis for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. She's going in with a fire in her belly. Yeah. Very exciting. All right. Anything else in sports? You don't have a whole lot here this week, no, which is but weird. we do have NHL uh, Stanley Cup news. Okay. It is officially Stanley Cup final time. Yes. And we have the Montreal Canadiens against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is the winners of the North Canadians versus your reigning Stanley Cup champions, the yep. Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. And in game one of the series, Tampa Bay scored five goals uh, to win that five to two or five to one. My bad. And considering they blew out the Islanders in one game with eight goals. 
<laughs> Odds-on favorite, we're going to see back-to-back champions there. It seems likely, yes. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay having a pretty strong sports year uh, right now. It's the Brady effect. <laughs> it's the Brady effect, perhaps. I think it was happening outside of him already, but yes. <laughs> it just so happens, like, I guess they just uh, put enough work on all these teams that they're just good this year. So just congratulations to Tampa Bay, I guess. Yes, congrats on spending all your money on the good players. <laughs> yeah, turns out. Uh, and then in basketball playoff news, we're still in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals yeah. before the actual NBA Finals. And yesterday, star athlete, former MVP, you love to say his name, the Greek mm. freak from the yes. Bucks. that guy. Giannis Akutitakempo <laughs> went down. Uh, he's currently injured. Oh. Um, so is Kawhi Leonard on the Clippers. So was Paul George at one point for the Suns. It's just a whole cavalcade of injuries to your superstars. Yeah. So uh, those are both in games five uh, and six. Um, So by the time we have come back to this next week, we will have our NBA finals, uh, not winner, but who's playing for the NBA finals. Okay. Good to know. So we'll know very soon here. And if, if you're interested, College World Series is also currently in its finals, and we'll have a winner for you next okay. week. All right. Cool beans. Okay. Uh, just and just real, real quick um, baseball update for you. Um, hometown favorite Shohei Otani is now at the top of the homer leaderboard again for the league at 28 homers, unless something has happened within the last hour of games. <laughs> so yep. uh, yeah he hit two on monday yeah i think two um, in the same game two in the same game it was very impressive um i believe he's pitching today he is pitching today and he's also starter he's starting the lineup today as well so he's starting on all sorts of things today <laughs> yep um some type uh, it's another one of those like oh first time that an american yeah. league Pitcher and hitter versus right. a National League team or something. It's one of those again. It's one of those again. I think what we're trying to say is, is this is your MVP. <laughs> like, like He's dominant at the plate and on the mound. How is he not like, the most valuable person right now? How, the, the only reason why I bring it up is because it's not just a hometown story, even though it's also a hometown story. It's a hometown story that's also a league story. Yes. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it sucks to watch the Angels, but hey. He gives you a reason to watch the Angels. Um, on that note, MLB All-Star voting, you can yes. currently vote for uh, the starters in, right. the, in that game, including the currently injured Mike Trout. <laughs> right, yes. You can vote for him to be a starter in the All-Star game. It seems like he's he's doing pretty well uh, in the voting, considering that he hasn't played in how many games? Exactly. <laughs> But yes, um, also uh, I would I like going to, to mention throw that a well, wrench yeah. into this because okay. if you take a look at um, who's been selected for the All Star Game, every single Astro, mm-hmm. Houston Astro, sorry, the Houston Trastros <laughs> Asterix, have been selected for the All Star Game. The pitcher, pat, the yep. pitcher, catcher, first, second, third, short, and outfielder have been selected from Houston to participate in the All Star Game. I think is bullshit. 
I also think that is true. Uh, yeah, there's a conversation right now being had about like whether should, every team should have representation and how that balance is being. It used to be that and, every team should yeah. have at least one, uh, one person representing them, right? Because uh, they're the all star on that team. It's a exhibition game. Yeah, it is. It's, supposed it's to be meant fun. to represent the league. It's supposed to just be fun, guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll have more info on that as it comes in. But uh, as for now. Uh, let's wrap up sports and talk about proper television news. Why don't we? First up in television news, let's talk about Warner Brothers, specifically new production facilities for Warner Brothers. The studio in Leavesden. Leavesden? Leavesden. It's in uh, just outside of London in England, of the UK is launching three new sound stages for Warner, including new virtual production facility. One of these new facilities will be home to the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon, for HBO, and will use the virtual production to allow the show to expand upon its variety of international landscapes. The virtual stage will feature a 7K square foot, so that's 7,000 square feet. I said 7K in that way because I wasn't sure if we were talking resolution or size. Uh, wraparound virtual production environment and use a matrix of more than 2,600 LED panels with an additional 5.5K, again, thousand square feet (laughs) of LED panels that work independently of one another. This is the same technology that the Mandalorian pioneered. If you recall, the Mandalorian also had a bunch of uh, uh, graphic design by unreal engine 4 and so this is likely another unreal engine 4 job here uh it'll be interesting to see that kind of tech being applied into a big studio space like that uh this will also cut down on their location shooting budget yes yes it will um as you'll they will shoot on this virtual soundstage now unless you're chloe zhao who wants to go around actually like shoot in physical places and then impress (laughs) kevin feige with it just gonna say that <laughs> chances are eventually everyone's gonna end up doing something like this it's cost it saves measure. a lot of money yeah it's a cost-cutting measure that a lot of people are a lot of studios are going to be attracted to for sure mm-hmm. so we'll see next up in television news the daytime emmys are here except still counts as an emmy yes yeah, still counts as an emmy it's true looking at you whoopee <laughs> um and uh, though it was a little different this year, as it was pre-taped, it was taped back on June 12th and 13th. The producers asked every nominee to give an accepted speech, and every presenter was asked to announce multiple winners, almost like a video game cutscene from Detroit Become Human. Was this you? Yes, yeah, that? that's me. <laughs> okay, that's funny. As everybody found out who actually won when the telecast aired on CBS... The winners were, well, we'll include, we're not going to list all the winners here. Um, It's the daytime Emmys that would take all day. Uh, General Hospital won drama series. Jeopardy won game show, as it rightfully should have. The People's Court won courtroom program, which I just found out just now is a a category. (laughs) CBS sat Sunday morning, uh, which I believe is their... Sunday show, yes. Sunday morning show. Yeah. One for morning show and the Kelly Clarkson show, one for entertainment talk show. Yes. Yes. While Larry King, Kelly Clarkson, and of course, media boat favorite, rest in peace, Alex Trebek, won their respective hosting roles. 
So Kelly Clarkson has an Emmy. Yeah, congratulations. Or she has a Grammy? I believe she has a Grammy. Uh, I think she has a Grammy. I would need to double check that. I'm pretty sure she does. Kelly I would like to think that she does. I mean, Clarkson. I want to say that she probably would win like Best New Artist, considering American Idol. She, yes, she has multiple Grammys. For songwriting. Um, Producing? She has two for pop be, uh, for pop vocal album, at least. Okay. So yes, Kelly Clarkson has a, more than one Grammy, in fact. All right. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Uh, yes. Anyway. Since she's been gone. <laughs> yes. So that's the thing. She never really went away. No, because she's on t- TV now. Yeah. But anyway. And then, uh, so, and also, so because um, Alex Trebek, late Alex Trebek, and late Larry King, both not around to accept their acceptance speeches, uh, their kids accepted the awards on their behalf. Okay, very cool. Yeah. So yeah, All Emmys, right. daytime, still counts as winning an Emmy. It's true. Still counts. No matter what people may say. <laughs> Looking at you, naysayers. Yeah. You know who you are. Yeah, saying nay all the time. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about thoughts. We watched some television this week. Oh, or yeah, we did. did. <laughs> you did. I did not, but you watched some television. Oh my gosh, these are like three different shows in three very, different very shows, wildly yes. different categories. So we'll start with the first one that I was surprised by I didn't realize that it was coming back I mean I knew it was coming back I had the date in my head and then completely forgot about it until I saw an ad for it and I was like oh my god it's here it's finally back sexless island is here oh yeah sexless island sexless island I'm talking about season two of too hot to handle on Netflix once again they're stupidly hot and again, stupidly dumb and obviously stupidly horny. <laughs> and it's exactly what you'd think, putting these hot bodies next to each other in the closed, confined space and then realizing, hey, you can't touch each other. And then what do they do? Immediately start touching each other. <laughs> Immediately start breaking the rules and giving cannot, away the money. You cannot keep them from doing so. They literally cannot. Um, also, it expanded on what they consider to be heavy petting, mm-hmm. as there's footage of sufficient grinding to the point of <laughs> orgasm that caused them to lose money. Oh no, not sufficient grinding. Sufficient grinding to the means of orgasming. Oh boy. That is a no-no. Also, <laughs> uh, by the way, um, real one quick. of the strangest props. Yeah. Uh, not like physical props or comedy prop, but strangest propositions <laughs> between three guys where two of them stood outside the bathroom so one guy could relieve himself. Yeah. Because he really needed it. I'm sure. I'm and sure. that conversation was extremely awkward and hilarious, <laughs> as you might think. Trying to convince two guys to stand guard while you do your business. 
<laughs> have some me time. Real quick, I just want to confirm, Kelly Clarkson has three Grammys. Nice. Okay, anyway, continue. Anyways, <laughs> Too Hot to Handle Season 2 is back. Um, it will conclude tonight, so I'll have final thoughts, but okay. it's pretty much exactly what you think. Yeah, it's what you think. Especially exactly if you watch the first last season. season. Yeah. Stupidly hot people making stupidly dumb mistakes and can't keep their hands off each other. <laughs> Literally too hot to handle. Too hot to handle. But now let's get to a more serious topic. Shall, shall we? Why don't we? Why don't we? Uh, with LFG, what do you think LFG stands for? Uh, ladies forgot golf. No, but it does <laughs> deal with ladies. Okay. So here's where we earn the explicit tag. It stands yeah. for let's fucking go. <laughs> let's fucking go. Like that? Yes. Go. <laughs> let's go. Which, if you've been around women's soccer, they say okay. that all the time. Ah. And that's what this is about. I see. This is the uh, specifically the U.S. women's national team. Their fight for equal pay over the past year. From March of 2019, where they won the World Cup, came back and celebrated. And the one-year fight they had for equal pay. Okay. And it chronicles specifically that and lays out their facts of why they deserve equal pay and how even though on paper they do get they are paid more than the men but they had to win way more games in order to like they had to win 11 tournaments compared to the men's three in order to gain slightly more than the men do So we've been covering this story on the yeah. podcast it's true. Like, recurringly. I don't want to say it's one of our favorite topics because it's something that should easily be solved. Right. But for those who have not been following it, it is a great look into it, but also kind of sad because this is pure propaganda on the part of the players, on the part of uh, Megan Rapino. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say. I really don't want to say propaganda because it gives <laughs> it a negative light to it. Yeah. But it's really what it is because if you haven't been following it, spoilers: the judge eventually dismissed the case because they had no bearing since they signed contracts. Yeah, which we covered on here. So, in order to win the appeal of the people. That's why this kind of this documentary was created to get their voices heard on it, to give a mass audience uh, that might not know about it, to get people behind their fight so people can not give up on mm-hmm. the equal pay fight that they started. Yeah. It's really geared towards that. And they're right. They have the claim for it, they have the stake for it. Oh, yeah. It's just very unfortunate that it has come to this. Mm. And they can't just, you know, pay them equal work for equal pay. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think. But, you know, unfortunately, it's a business. And 
even by that standard, it's a very slim leg to stand on when they're clearly dominating more than the men and only get paid, end up paying like, uh, what was it, like $5 million more? Mm-hmm. Even though they won like three times the amount of games. Right. Or tournaments. Clearly unfair, clearly skewed. But when you're looking only at a single number, the end number, it doesn't show the full picture. And that's what LFG does is it shows the full picture. Yeah. So highly recommend if you have if you have no idea what that what I'm talking about, watch LFG. It's on HBO Max. I think it was on uh, HBO as a doc, but it's on HBO Max right now. If you have HBO, you have access to HBO Max. Watch LFG. Highly, highly recommend it. All right. Not just from a sports standpoint, but from women's right and equal pay standpoint. Yeah, for sure. That sounds sounds pretty good. All right. And you also have one more thing. Uh, Yes. Uh, This is a Disney Plus show. About a cult, and this is the most exciting thing I want to talk about today. Wow, okay, that's surprising. <laughs> uh, so, this is the new show starring Tony Hale called The Mysterious Benedict Society. And it is everything that is culty and conspiracy theory that makes me hate it immediately. (laughs) Uh So it's much of the same vein as the other Disney show that I talked about earlier this year, the Secret Society for Second Born Royals. Oh, right, yes. Where it's a secret society (laughs) for extremely gifted children kind of the same concept here where it's a mysterious society for really gifted children where the cultiness comes in is how they how these kids get what's a better word than inducted into this society because it's very <laughs> culty I don't know. although there's not really a better word because that's how it's presented they're chosen <laughs> They're special. Mm -hmm. They say they're very special. Not like the other kids. No, you are a very special child who we need to go on a very secret mission. Something that the world is blind to, but we see the truth and we can show you the truth that's hidden from you. Does it sound culty yet? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, every single step that either Tony Hale or one of the other adults present to the kids immediately sets off alarm bells in my head of this sounds culty, this sounds predatory. I want someone to help these kids. Um, maybe just see it from like adult lenses though, but still the it's not necessarily like what they're doing, but the specific language of how it's presented. Mm-hmm. So if you remember uh, 2019, either 2019 or 2018, the movie Show Dogs. 
with Will Arnett, where yeah. it was taken to task because of certain language in the film about how it okayed certain predatorial language of going to your happy place and it was seen <laughs> as a gateway of accepting predators mm -hmm. same kind of language is being applied here to the mysterious benedict society hmm. very specific predatory language and very cult-like language which immediately turned me off but then also made me curious of how far they're going to like keep this charade up and they keep it up it's very culty i don't know if i've said cult enough on this thing but it is super cult like and chris, mm -hmm. oh but at least there's kristen shawl in it who's kind of funny <laughs> yeah there's, there's there's a point there and then there's kristen shawl <laughs> uh but yeah uh, I want to say this is based off a book series for kids, but the yeah, whole language and the script of it is just very indoctrination cult-like because it's the kids are all orphans. They have no parents, so they're very, I don't want to say gullible, but susceptible to having parental authorities who love them and shower them with praise and say, you're good. Your gifts are meant for good. You're not a freak. We can accept you. And how phrasing like that can welcome young, enabled minds into their rankings and get them to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because the tricky thing about that, you're right, is that there's a little bit, of, there's enough truth to that where that does actually happen in kids' real lives that they can be convinced as opposed to this being able to define this very clear line between fantasy and real. And so, yeah, I, I get the concern. What I will do, though, is, yeah, so um, Chrissy is actually familiar with the book series that this is based on. I'll have to ask her if the books have the same kind of vibe. I don't know if she's read them, but she may be familiar with the tone of it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, weird. Well, very weird, though. It is a very weird tone. And like I can't stress enough how culty the tone felt, especially when <laughs> they keep saying, like, you're being lied to. We know the truth. Right. Follow us to the truth. We can show you the truth. And they use it a lot, that 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 kind of phrasing in the pilot a lot. Mm -hmm. And I get that if it's since it's based on a kid's book, that oh, like these kids are being clued into how it really works, you know kind of like spy kids in a sense but spy kids never went that far into like trying to get them to open their eyes and see the world it was more of like a fun action adventure that they that the kids were dragged into and not pulled into yeah we'll see very different but yeah i'll probably still watch it but not in like a good watch yeah <laughs> i may actually just end up waiting for this to end and then binging the whole thing instead of watching <laughs> faces fair enough okay anything else we want to talk about in television i don't have anything else i can think of so um i 
due. It is currently the end of the month, which means starting July, some of your favorite shows may not be on your favorite streamer, as deals will be expired. Yes. Uh, I know this because Peacock does this really fun thing where if a show's about to expire, it will tell you a week in advance that, hey, you have seven days left to watch the show. (laughs) And then the counter will go down. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Kind of nice. Yeah, it's very nice. I wish more stuff did something like that where, I mean, at least HBO Max does has a section where it says last chance and it tells you of stuff that's leaving by the end of the month if there's something on there that you want to watch. I wish more stuff did stuff like that. But at the same time, once it's gone and if you haven't completed it, you're frantically like, well, now where do I go if I want to finish it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good... All the services should do something like that. Mm-hmm. But of course, they're not going to tell you where to go next because then you just no, yeah. sign up for them. <laughs> right, exactly. They don't want that. No. <laughs> All right. So is that it? Anything else you want to talk about real quick before we move on to the next part? Nope. I think that's all that I have right now. Uh, it is Wednesday, so new Loki today. But also, uh, just a reminder, starting starting well starting tomorrow so for july to uh for disney plus just a reminder that new stuff will not be premiering on friday but instead will be premiering on wednesday right and i think that starts with monsters at work so next wednesday we will have thoughts on monsters at work or at least i will have thoughts on monsters at work. <laughs> okay something else to look forward to in the meantime let's continue and let's talk about cancellations and renewals real quick. All right. What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching hashtag Black AF as it has been canceled over at Netflix. You're also, but you're still watching Showtime's Couples Therapy as it's been renewed for a third season. Netflix has renewed The Upshaws for a second season. NBC canceled Good Girls after four. Finally. And HBO. Yeah, no more Good Girls, just Bad Girls from here on out. Uh, HBO Max is bringing back Made for Love for a second season. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know how, but okay. <laughs> Somehow. Amazon bringing back Good Omens for a second season. Uh, that last uh, was a 2019 show. Right, right. Been a little bit. Um, now for a handful of deaths to get through here. First up, Stuart Damon, age 84, actor, was in General Hospital, The Champions, Port Charles, among others, Emmy winner back in 1999. Was on General Hospital for 30 years. That's an impressive run. Next up, Allison Greenspan, age 48, a film TV producer, a film and TV producer, I should say. Monte Carlo, the best of me for life, among others. So yeah, pretty young at 48. Mm-hmm. John Langley, age 78, creator and creator slash producer of Cops, one of the men responsible for Cops. Jared on Fox forever. The show Cops, not yes. Live. Bad boys, bad boys. What are you going to do? Yep. What are you going to do? John Ehrman, age 85, director, my favorite Martian, Peyton Place, that girl, won an Emmy back in 1983. Your parents' favorite director that they probably didn't know about. <laughs> Maybe. Next up, Jack Ingram, age 84, a Hall of Fame race car driver, NASCAR champion back in 1982 and 1985. 
So your parents' favorite NASCAR driver. And then also, and then last, last, but uh, definitely not least, Donald Rumsfeld, <laughs> age 88, Secretary of Defense back in 1975 to 1977. And of course, again, 2001 and 2006. Yeah, we don't need to talk about warmongers on the Media Boat Podcast. Let's move on. All right. <laughs> to the music section. I pass this on to you. And we always start music with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. And continuing to be the hottest thing around for ladies of a certain age, BTS. Not just ladies. Not just ladies. The BTS army encompasses all sorts of people, to be fair. Yes. No, you're right. (laughs) But yeah, Butter. 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 Butter is your number one song with Good for You by Olivia Rodrigo at number two. And Levitating by Dua Lipa featuring Da Baby at number three. Yep. Does not change. There's just no. one, two, three, back to back to back. In fact, what if I told you that all five of these are the same as last week? I would not be surprised because <laughs> at four, we have Kiss Me More by Doja Cat featuring SZA. And rounding out your top five, Peaches by Justin Bieber. Featuring Daniel Caesar and Gideon. Yep. Yep. None of that changed. None of that changed. It's, I mean, we're in the middle of summer beats and this is your hot summer hits. Yep. Your hot 97 summer jams right here. But there is hope as the Billboard 200, your Mm -hmm. albums chart. Number one album once again belongs to Olivia Rodrigo with Sour. Yeah. Bounce back after a few weeks of being off of number one. Uh, welcome back to the top. Uh, number two, we have Hall of Fame by Polo G. At three, The Voices of the Heroes by Lil Baby and <laughs> Lil Dirk. Yep. At number four, Culture Three by Migos. And then rounding out your top five, waiting to be Spartan kicked out of there is <laughs> Dangerous. Colon, the double album by Morgan Wallen. It will not die. I'm telling you, next week's got to be it. We'll it's see. coming. I can hear it. It's a coming. It's a coming. All right, but if you don't want to listen to that. If you don't want to listen to that, or if you want to help kick Morgan Wallen off the top five, we have new releases. Yay. Including, but not limited to, The Nightmare of Being by At The Gates. Utopian Ashes by Bobby Galepsi and Jenna Beth. Get Up Sequences Part 1 by The Go Team. Mm-hmm. Now, is The Go Team in reference to Kim Possible, by the way? No, I believe they predate Kim Possible, actually. Uh, video game fans might recognize The Go Team and their music from... Little Big Planet, uh, whose their music is heavily featured in that franchise. Is Little Big Planet before Kim Possible? No, it's after, but the yeah. band predate it's predates it. It's just that they happen to have been featured in the Little Big Planet. Okay. Whatever. Anyways, do do your research. <laughs> I, I saw Go Team, and you know, as far as I know, it predates Kim Possible, but I could be wrong. Okay. And lastly, media boat favorite, Lana mm. Del Rey <laughs> with a 
another album. Yeah, somehow. Blue Bannisters. Yeah, I don't know if this is actually happening or not. This is actually slated for a July 4th release. Um, but yeah, we'll see next week if this thing actually came out when it was supposed to. Who can say? Who can say? But yeah, so July 4th release is a Sunday as July 2nd, but it's Friday. But you know, apples and oranges may or may not be available by next week. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So there was so much music news to not become a full story, but instead we got music bits for you this time. Gotta love the bits. The bits, the bits, the bits. And we start with the bits with some streaming bits as Elvis, yes, that Elvis, Mm -hmm. back from the grave, will be getting (laughs) his own streaming channel next year. Yeah, expect this to be kind of like the Taylor Swift streaming channel on AT&T, where it's like, I don't know, we're just going to show stuff that we have the rights to that has Elvis in it or involves elvis in some sort of capacity and it makes money for the elvis estate somehow i am shocked this was not already a thing <laughs> right yeah took them this long well i guess the people who elvis would be for wouldn't know how to work streaming but now they do <laughs> i guess so maybe <laughs> though to note though this isn't a streaming network this is not like you can select the things it's what's called a linear network which means traditionally just Program ads, program ads, program ads. So, like you're watching a television show. Right. (laughs) Who is this for? Who can say? Anyway. Uh, We also have Britney Spears' father denying um, his involvement in his daughter's treatment and supports an investigation into her conservatorship. To be more specific, what he's doing here is basically he's distancing himself from uh, lawyers, Brittany's, well, that and Brittany's comments about her mistreatment, basically saying that he had nothing to do with the mistreatment part of it, which I find very hard to believe based on what she said. Um, And that he is like totally down with them doing a full investigation into the conservative conservatorship. This language is very similar to a CEO saying, I didn't know we were doing that. Yes. I will get to the bottom of this with an internal investigation and report back to you. Right on the nose. Right on the nose is that you know that he knew. Like, that he has to have known. Because the conservatorship is under him. So, like, it's like, I don't know how he can be so, like ignorant about what's been going on here but anyways yes it's you're right you're right when you said lawyers this is to cover his legal uh cover his butt legally uh whether or not it will at the end of the day uh we'll uh we will see so. speaking of covering legal butts bill cosby really yeah we did not i did not have this in here because it's just depressing oh very depressing that's why that's all we're gonna say about it yeah We'll talk more about it during end of the year stuff. Yeah. Um, but stuff that happened this week, the BET Awards. Right. Yes. Including Lil Nas X kissing a dude on there. Yeah. You know. And the internet kind of freaking itself out. You know what? The internet's a bunch of prudes. Let dudes kick, kiss dudes on the stage. Like, I think it's pretty cool that it's finally happened. 
Why not? As Lil Nas X put it, whoa, you freaked out about me kissing a guy? Next time, I'll just bang him on stage. <laughs> yeah, this is just going to be an escalation. Let's see what, like, how far he can move the line every single time. And you know what? Go for it. I mean, we just had two girls practically bang on stage during the Grammys. Right? Yeah, we, we did that. I mean, think about it this way. Like, it's kind of similar and weird, like, how time is recursive like this to when uh, Madonna kissed Britney Spears and um, Christina Aguilera on the VMAs mm-hmm. in what 2002 I want to say so yeah. this checks out this checks out it's like yeah almost 10 almost 20 years later we have this and it's like you know what yes about time about time yes well anyway. following that he did announce uh, a debut album Montero yes Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, we don't know a whole lot more about it. We don't know a release date. He said on Twitter it will be, quote, soon, unquote, but without a date, who knows when that's going to be. But yeah, I would bet by the end of the year we see some sort of uh, little little Nas X record. That would be exciting. I would not be surprised if by the end of summer we saw a little Perhaps. Nas X record. Perhaps we will. Speaking of stuff to expect, Halsey. Yeah. Yes, that Halsey will have a new album out. Eventually. Yeah. By Taylor Swift's best friends. T- uh, not Taylor Swift's best friends. What, Atticus Strauss? No. The, uh, the, Oscar, uh, the Oscar for best original score is best friends. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, John Petit's best friends. Yes. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yes, of course. We, of course, have to say formerly of Nine Inch Nails, but more importantly, have been running a shop on uh, film scores over the last decade uh, with memorable scores like The Social Network and, as you mentioned, the recent Oscar-winning Soul. Uh, But yeah, um, this is interesting. This is an interesting direction for Halsey to go. It kind of will allow her to um, possibly experiment with kind of Trent Reznor's wheelhouse, which is like elect, like a um, electronic industrial sound. This thing could sound like anything, is what I'm saying, and that's really fascinating for a pop artist to lean into. Um, it also shows apparently her label's got money to throw around if they can afford these guys. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I am fascinated by this, and I really want to hear what a Halsey song sounds like with them behind the behind the the, the tables here. Now, I liked most of Halsey's stuff that she did on her last album. It's just to see where it goes from here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it could be really cool. So we'll see. Yep. Um, dare I say Oscar-worthy? Mm, let's not go that far. Let's not go that far. <laughs> Can't win an Oscar from producing an album yet. <laughs> Might be getting there, but not yet. No. You can definitely win an Oscar for producing an album for a film. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like very specific subcategories. Right. For a film, yes, <laughs> to be specific. Anyway. Anyways, um, music and theaters yeah. and yeah. soon to be theaters. Yeah. As a theater yet to be built on the current um, vacated lands that was right. once Hollywood Park. Currently, I believe it, no, is that Hollywood Park? In Inglewood, where the uh, new Ram Stadium is? It's near. It's, it's near, near there. there. Yeah. So, in addition to uh, SoFi Stadium housing concerts, 
there'll be a new theater yeah. in the same area where YouTube, yes, that YouTube has <laughs> the naming rights. So it'll be YouTube's amphitheater. It will likely the the mock-up that they showed for it had a logo that said the YouTube theater. So that's probably what we'll see. Uh, but yeah, just uh, interesting, like if you're in the LA area, this will be another venue uh, where you're going to see a lot of bigger names play, I would imagine. Um, as for other plans, it seems like this is still in the planning stages. So uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, carving out their space there. I feel like this will have the same kind of vibe as Staples Center and Microsoft the- Theater. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. Where the ride across the street from each other. Where it's, yeah, like you'll go to the big arena shows in the stadium and then you'll go to the smaller smaller place for the smaller shows. And yeah. by smaller, I mean still very large, but not well, like... 2,000 plus people. Yeah, like but not like... Let's, let's put it this way. Four digits, not five. Yes. That's the difference here. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, not to be outdone... <laughs> Amazon's also in the news because, of course, they are. Where they announced Vinyl of the Month Club. 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 Because <laughs> they need more money than you. Apparently. For $25 a month. Yeah. Sounds like what they're going to do with this is not too dissimilar to the um, Vinyl Me Please subscription service, which is an independent thing, uh, where you'll sign up, pay every month, and they'll send you something from their archives is what how they're putting it which is basically like hey a classic album that we think that everybody should own that's the album of the month so like i don't know you're gonna get abba gold this month and then maybe you're gonna get i don't know abbey road next month that kind of thing um and maybe the occasional new record but seems like mostly it's just like for collectors it seems though be though, though just a quick note though they do plan on as part of the service to reprint older things as well so it's not necessarily you're getting the classic versions of these records you're getting reprints modern reprints of classic records so just keep that in mind if you're like a stalwart for the real thing uh this might not be that but if you're you know into final and you want an easy way of filling out your collection with classics this is a good deal i just wish it wasn't amazon doing it uh but yeah this is there if you want it I do wonder if it's more here's collectibles or like here's <laughs> albums that you know and not just here's what we had extra in stock of. Here you <laughs> that, go. That is a theory that people were tossing around is like, is this just because they've been sitting on a bunch of vinyl? But I don't think that's the case. Uh, but who knows? I could be completely wrong. So, uh, We'll see. Yep. Yeah. We'll see. Um, we also, uh, not lastly. Yes. No, it's not lastly because I have a story that you don't have on here. Okay. Uh, Winston Marshall. Yeah. Who, you ask? <laughs> Good well, question. He's one of the sons of Mumford and <laughs> Sons. Yes. Well, he's quit Mumford and Sons. Right. After praising alt right journalists. And then apologizing, and then apologizing for apologizing. <laughs> yeah, he released a statement along with his res- resignation, I guess, if you will, uh, from the band, basically saying, like, I should never have apologized. There's nothing wrong with defending this author. And I stand by what I said. Like, everybody gets too mad at things these days and talking about, like, how he believes that, like, 
Uh, oh, cancel culture's out to get me. It's stuff like that. Yeah, it's the usual. Um, hey, no big loss. It seems like the band is probably going to exist without him and probably probably for the better. Um, so yeah, whatever. Just a big whatever, but in case you care. That's news. Unless he was one of the banjo players, you will not hear a difference. Actually, that's funny because they moved away from the banjo sound so badly now <laughs> that they don't really need a banjo player. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that is a 10-year-old joke at this point. Yeah, wow, that's, they've that's been around ancient, for 10 years. That's an ancient joke now, yes, oh. believe it or not. They're not even a banjo band anymore. Yes. Anyway. Anyways. And lastly, in music news, for those of you that of the country persuasion that do care, uh-huh. much like myself, <laughs> much like you, media boat favorite, and personally going to go see them in concert next month. Midland helped us help me get and my wife and my everyone in my household get through the quarantine with mm-hmm. their album. Is set to release a new album next month. Uh, their first song um, from it will be out on Friday. I'll title the album, currently titled Last Resort. Huh. Okay. Yep, where they can cut your life into pizzas. <laughs> using a plastic, plastic fork. fork. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. Um, this also does mean that they're skewing heavily into the Eagles with Hotel California and Last Resort, so mm-hmm. maybe that's an allude to something that they're going to put out. Maybe. I have compared them to the Eagles before, so. You have? I have. Well, constantly. <laughs> Eventually, they will make it, even though their Twitter followers are pretty pathetic right now. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. You have your bands that you like that aren't <laughs> big, and I have my bands. Yeah, yeah it's true. Anyway. Anyways, we listened to some stuff. Yeah, just a handful of things. I actually listened to the two things you listened to as well. Oh, nice. You listened to all this. Yes, I listened to all of this. All right, so where do you want to start then? Uh, Let's just start at the top. Let's go in order here. All right, let's go in order and possibly top five album next week, just Uh, based on name alone. Yeah, it has a chance. It has a chance. Doja Cat put out a new album. We talked about this last week and how, yeah, it had a shot. So we listened to it. Planet Her. Yeah. Well. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. If you missed Rihanna. Yeah. (laughs) Here comes Doja Cat. Uh, What I will say about this thing is I'm very divided about it. Because I feel like I've established my thoughts about Doja Cat on this podcast. She's kind of a troll, and she said some things that she shouldn't have had, and she's really bad at apologizing for the things, saying things that she shouldn't have had, shouldn't have. That's established. She's kind of has a reputation now of just saying whatever she wants, and people are either totally on board with it, seeing her as some sort of, you know, like the internet personified kind of thing, and like that it's wild that someone that like cavalier is also a superstar. And then the other side of that, which is like the people, the growing list of people who are like, dude, what the hell? Like, why did you like be better essentially? And I find myself usually landing on the be better train and being like, come on, Doja Cat. Like 
especially in this level of celebrity, you have to be better. Um, so I wasn't initially going to listen to this, but I had some spare time. So I put this on and the part where I'm torn is, is that this is actually a pretty good record. <laughs> um, there's some quality stuff on here. Uh, she's a surprisingly decent rapper, which is not something I think I knew about Doja Cat going into this, even though she kind of just borrows the Kendrick Lamar flow several times here. But hey, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Um, but yeah, um, the pop stuff is good. Um, she has a knack for finding pretty decent beats. And like, she seems to have like a pretty good track record of finding the dance songs to make the singles, uh, which is good for her. Not quite Dua Lipa, but Dua Lipa Light, I think is what I would call it um, occasionally here. Um, but yeah, it was surprising how much of a variety of sounds was on this thing and just how good it all sounded. It's a surprisingly well-built record. Uh, the guest spots are neat when they show up. Uh, the Ariana Grande song is probably going to be the single moving forward. I would not be surprised if we see that in the top five in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I guess that's really all I have to say about it is I'm kind of torn because I don't really like the person, but it's kind of hard to argue with the talent here is that she did a good job and now I understand why people like Doja Cat. This sold me in a way on her as an artist, but am I going to necessarily go out of my way to support her? Absolutely not. But uh, yeah, but yeah, if uh, this is out here and if you want a, a pop slash rap slash dance thing, because it's kind of all of it, this is here and it's and it's a good one. Right. So why kind of compare it to Rihanna, even though Rihanna hasn't mm -hmm. put out a record in right. six years? Yeah, we're plus. still waiting. Still waiting on that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of like good African beats, a lot of good mixing, a lot of good producing on here. And yes, Dota Cat does have some pretty good lyrics. You credit where friends do. It's, I mean, yeah, it, expect this to like track at least some of it. Not my favorite, but it's easy to see why this is definitely a solid pop album. Yeah, yeah. It does it does what it needs to do, I think. Yep. People are gonna like it. And in an hour long, people are gonna find <laughs> something in there that they're gonna like. Yeah. All right. Uh next second album we listened to by Tyler, comma, the creator. Yes. And that is Call Me If You're Lost. Sort of a mixtape, sort of a grab bag, sort of a little bit all yeah. over the place. Kind of storytelling elements. Yeah. And kind of reminded me a little bit of Kendrick Lamar. And, and pretty good also is yeah. the thing. Um, so, of course, he's coming off of, I don't know if you listened to his record from, or his last record, which was called Igor. Um, had a little bit of elements of this, but it actually leaned more in the pop direction. Here, he's actually going all the way into the rap direction. He's decided at some he decided at some point that after the whole Grammy situation, where he said kind of after he won the Grammy for Igor for best rap record, he basically said like it's not really a rap record. Well, he made a rap record. He turned around and was <laughs> like, "Here, this is the thing that you thought that was," um, and but I'm going all the way this time. And yeah, you're 100% right. It's it's kind of a mixtape in the way that it's presented. It's presented like the mixtapes of like the 2000s um, when that was kind of the zeitgeist. 
Uh, he even gets Lil Wayne, the uh, king of the mixtapes, to show up yeah. on one of the songs um, in mixtape form, in fact. Um, and yeah, but it's so it's it's it, that approach allows uh, Tyler to uh, play around with all sorts of different uh, kinds of sounds here. There's like really harsh like rap songs here. There's light and airy kind of islandy kind of vibes on some other songs. There's a voice track from his mom, which is a highlight. Um, there's and there's a story song that's very similar to something you would have seen on Kendrick's uh, Mad uh, Good Kid, Mad City, mm-hmm. which is this very compelling story of a of a love triangle of sorts that he may or may not have actually been involved in himself. Um, and it's fascinating um, the kind of sounds that he's able to like mix into one kind of vision here, but it doesn't feel disparate. Um, he uses some some tricks to kind of uh, that continue through the record to make everything feel like one through line, uh, including the kind of announcer kind of MC of it, uh, DJ drama, who is like narrating the whole thing as it goes on. It's really, really well done. Uh, the rapping is really good. Uh, it's like just really impressive stuff from Tyler. Um, there's even some commentary on himself. There's a song where there's a little bit of self-reflection about how he used to be this like very controversial figure in rap and kind of how he's dealing with it now. Also his relationship to movements like Black Lives Matter and his commentary on like whether he should be doing more, whether he's doing too much, like what it means to be a black artist in the world right now. Um, but then there's also that intimacy you get in like talking about his relationships as his, you know, dealing with his identity as a queer person about being, uh, being interested in all sorts of different people and how that has affected his life. And it's just a really interesting snippet of what it is to be a rap star right now. And of course you get the flip side of that too, where some of the songs is kind of him bragging about the success that he's gotten, the, the car that he gets to drive and the, places he gets to travel now um but it's self-aware enough about that stuff where he knows when to cut off there's a literal time where it cuts him off in the middle of talking about his passport because i think even tyler realized that it started showing like sounded like he was bragging it's stuff like that little bits of personality like that that really give this thing a unique vibe and it's very summery it's like the perfect time to put this thing this something that sounds like this out I mean, if you're a fan of like, if you're a, a fan of rap or you've heard anything that Tyler's done before, this is a no-brainer. This is a really good example of that. He's still one of the best at what he's doing right now. Uh, just impressive, just impressive the whole way through. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, like I said, very heavily influenced by Kendrick Lamar, like that uh, Kid City record. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it. I don't want to say you're going to see it on my list because it's not necessarily <laughs> something that I'm going to yeah. constantly listen to, but you will definitely probably see this on people's lists oh, yeah. come end of the year. I um, think this is, yeah, this is going to be critically, possibly is, critics are going to like here. this thing. Yeah. yeah, I could easily see this Grammy uh, Grammy winner next year for sure. It'll just come back on stage and say, yeah. I told you so. Yeah, this was an actual <laughs> Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just a fun time. It's a fun time um with a unique talent who's really grown over the the decade um just doesn't cease to amaze me (laughs) and then you listen to something 
I did listen to. Just real quick, uh, the big release for me this week was the new record from Lucy Dacus. As I mentioned last week, if you don't know her solo work, she's also one third of Boy Genius with Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker, who are enjoying quite a last big last couple of years. <laughs> but the third part of that is, of course, Lucy, and uh, her. This is her third solo record uh, called Home Video. Um, it's really good. I probably don't need to tell you that. If you uh, liked her last two records, it's very similar to that, except she's gone in a more kind of concise pop direction with her songwriting. So the songs are a little shorter, they're a little bit more focused, and they're a little bit more focused on the melody as opposed to kind of like growing and transforming like the songs on her last record, Historian, kind of tended to do. I ended up at the end of this kind of still preferring Historian. I still think it's her best. That being said, there's a lot of really cool stuff on home video. It's also very, uh, it also doubles as kind of a story uh, like of her telling stories about her youth and about her experience growing up. Not too dissimilar from Tyler's record in a lot of ways, where she herself also has lyrics about dealing with her, with her queerness and sexual identity. Also, uh, she comments a lot about growing up in a very heavily Catholic, um, or not Catholic, Christian environment, like going to like vacation Bible school and things like that. It's very relatable for someone like me who also had that experience <laughs> growing up. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, it's it's very, again, intimate. It's It definitely earns that term as well here. She also experiments a little bit with sound. There's a whole song here that's auto-tune. It's an interesting move for her to make. Um and there are a couple songs that have backing vocals from the members of Boy Genius, which is fun if you're a fan of them. And so, yeah, um, it's a really good, solid indie rock record with a lot, uh, a lot of cool moments uh, from a singer-songwriter who I think is really coming into her own. So, yeah, if that sounds good to you, check Lucy Dacus out. Uh, hmm. But, yeah. So, yeah, this three good records. Three good this, records? This three good records this week. Uh, one that I'm a little hesitant to recommend, but the other two, absolute recommends, so... All right. Uh, rare does this ever happen? Three yeah. records to yeah. listen to. Who, who can say it's summer? Good music comes out in summer. This is always summer fun. hits. Summer hits. All right. Uh, with that, then let's just anything else. Nope, I think that'll do it. I if I miss something, I, I'll come back to it next week, I suppose. But all right. Well, Good. in that case, let's speed around the corner here into sure. video games. We wrap stuff up. Yeah. And we start with new releases. Sure do. Including Crowdfall for the PC. Crowfall. Crowfall. <laughs> sure. Crow, crow, crow. Stuck in your crow. Crowl. Crawl. Crow. Crow. Crowfall. Crow? Crow. Crow. Crowfall. A Plague Tale colon Innocence for the PS5. Xbox X and the Switch. Xbox X. Xbox Series X and the Switch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Doki Doki Literature Club Plus for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series <laughs> X, Switch, PC. If you got it, you can play it. Important to note here, Doki Doki Literature Club was previously a PC, a PC release. Um, and yeah, Um I'm not going to say anything else about Doki Doki Literature Club, because if you do not know anything about this game, let's just say you should go in not knowing anything about this game. That's all I'm going to say. It's about schoolgirls. Sure. Yeah, that's true. 
very Japanese schoolgirls. If that is your interest, Doki Doki Literature Club Plus. That's a true statement, but I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's on the box art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, get what you, you get what you come for. Yep. Anyway. Anyways, let's get to some video game news before Matt spoils everything. <laughs> and we start with PlayStation. Yes. And acquisition time. It's acquisition o'clock. So, between Xbox and Sony, well, Microsoft and Sony, really, Xbox <laughs> is the console. Between Microsoft and, so- and Sony, there's been an ongoing acquisition war um, <laughs> as Sony tries to pick up smaller studios that they have produced, uh, that they, the studios, have produced successful and proven projects like Insomniac. And hey, that worked out well because Ratchet and Clank, big Mm -hmm. success for them. In the same vein, PlayStation Worldwide Studios announced that Returnal developer House Marquee is now a part of that (laughs) ever-growing list of studios that were once independent but have gradually turned more to Sony over time. Quote, today is a big day for House Marquee, House and Marquee. it has been for 26 years in the making. It's just House Mark. House Marquee. You're saying it like Biz Marquee. It is Biz Marquee. No, House Mark. They're just House, House Marquee. Mark. House Mark. If it was House Mark, they'd just be M-A-R-K, not <sighs> M-A-R-K-Q, M-A-R-Q. They're like, I don't know, French or something. <laughs> All right, so House Mark, yeah. according to the PlayStation blog entry, quote, our strong partnership with Sony Interactive Entertainment started with Super Stardust HD on PS3, and since then we have made arcade-inspired games for all of the PlayStation platforms. With Returnal for PS5, our most recent release our biggest foray into third-person action gaming solidified our voice and brand in the industry as delivering unique and quality player experiences. That's my housemark voice. <laughs> well, it's actually my um, managing director, Ilari uh, Kitten, uh, voice from Housemark. But hey... Put another jewel into uh, PlayStation's ever-growing belt crown. The crown. <laughs> crown belt. Crown belt. Goes both on the head and the waist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Returnal. Got rave reviews and Sony said, yep, we like that. We want that. And yeah, Super Stardust has been a success. That series has been a success for PlayStation. Good for them. Good story here. Yeah. Um, do you think that they do another Returnal? It's possible. possible. I think it depends once we start seeing the numbers of how well Returnal did. Um, the side B of this story is actually potentially more interesting. Um, the but, fact that it was leaked? Well, that. But speaking of leaked, it's funny that you use that word because the side B of this is that when the Japanese PlayStation account on Twitter initially reported this news. They used the wrong graphic. Instead of Housemark, they put 
Bluepoint Studios, which PlayStation fans will know is the company that made the remake of Demon's Souls for PS5, among other uh, port projects that they worked on in the past. Also currently secretly working on a <laughs> supposed Metal Gear Solid game. No, that's Blue Box Games. It's a different Blue developer. Different Blue. Yeah, we haven't talked about that because that's stupid. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Leave them alone. If you're listening to this, please leave Blue Box Entertainment alone. They're not <laughs> Kojima. They're not making Metal Gear. Leave them alone. Anyway, uh, I want to make it very clear here. Uh, but yeah, no, Blue Point uh, Studios, uh, they quickly took it down and quickly said they are not buying Blue Point. And it was a mistake that they just used the different, uh, the wrong logo at the time. That being said, of course, people are going to speculate. And so the speculation is, is that maybe this was just jumping the gun on announcing that Sony is also buying Bluepoint. Honestly, I could see it. Uh, it makes sense to have that studio in their, um, in their, like, in their, uh, I guess, ownership. I don't know what else other word to use, Peter, but uh, it would make sense in a similar way that it makes sense to pick up Housemark. So I wouldn't be surprised if that eventually happens. But yeah, it was interesting nonetheless that they may have let that slip accidentally. Oops. But that's also why we try not to delve in rumors. Right, right, right. So. Because stuff like this does happen. It's, oh, yes. we're buying a studio. It's probably this one. No, it's this <laughs> one. No, nope. though I kind of slipped and said it might be that one. You know like how kind of like... Blue point, it just slips. You know how people say that celebrity obituaries are written on hand early so they can have it on hand to run as soon as possible? I wonder if it's the same thing for studios that Sony is thinking about buying. It's like, oh yeah, we whipped up this graphic for when we buy Bluepoint, but we haven't actually done it yet. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's like that. Like, here's like all the potential studios we are interested mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Write up a quick blurb in yeah, case do it, something do it does easily. happen through. Mm-hmm. So we can run it. PR can send it to PR and run it immediately. Right. So yeah. It makes sense. We have that on hand, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah, we got yeah. that. We have something like that. We're media company. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to our last sense. story of the podcast. I'm gonna take you back. All right, take well, you back. Back it up. Not too long ago though, when Casey Hudson left Bioware for not the first time, but rather the second time. Mm-hmm. Well, Hudson had departed the studio after 14 years in 2014, aiming to pursue new projects as a creative director in Microsoft. Within a few years, he was actually back as Bioware's <laughs> general manager yes. to steer the ship in a better direction. And after announcing a new Dragon Age and a new Mass Effect, Hudson has once again departed and this time is founding an independent studio. Hudson made the announcement on Twitter, uh, leaving a lot of details yet to be revealed, though the announcement seemed to be for general recruiting more than trying to announce or market any end product yet. And unfortunately, he can't really use the Hudson Games as that's already in use. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, I don't know, but it's interesting whenever this happens, when a big name decides to spin off and make their own studio. Uh, the question here is, will he also pull talent from Bioware? Do you think this is going to be a mass exodus uh, or 
Who can say? I mean, you don't really need to pull people from Bioware when you have the name Casey Hudson on your back by Dragon Age and Mass Effect. People will just gravitate to you saying, oh, you're opening a new company? Here's resume. Please read and hire. Yeah. At the same time, I absolutely do think he's going to bring people over that he knows and works with. It's just what you do. You work with who you know. You work with people that have produced good product that you can trust to get your vision out. You're never going to start from scratch with completely new people right off the bat. You work with who you know. Right. Yes, he's going to bring some people in and probably promote them to executive levels or creative director levels. But at the same time, he's opening the door for new people fresh out of college or freshly looking for new opportunities to come join him. And work with some of probably the best people in the industry currently. Arguably, I'll put that arguably the best people. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we'll wait five years to see what <laughs> game he produces. Exactly. Who knows how long this is going to take to get something wrapped up, but uh, we'll see. No. But do you think that Microsoft would make a deal sight unseen for whatever game he potentially makes? That's a good question i could definitely see a game pass style or um, arrangement happening out of this that would not surprise me or a like a first look option yeah where yeah, they'll maybe. put out a tech demo like styled mini game like say hey this is what we are potentially looking to create and put that on xbox um game pass to see how well it plays well, we'll see. We'll find we'll out. See. We'll also see whatever name he comes up with for a company. Yeah. Quick, name that studio. Mm, yeah, then. Like you said, Hudson's taken. Yep. <laughs> I'll say like anything like from Dragon Age or Mass Effect that <laughs> that he can legally still use. Legally still use, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, uh, we played some games. Uh, you let me play a game. Yeah, you came over to the house, saw the PlayStation Five, got and your I hands said, on wow, the controller. Wow, that thing is beefy. He did say it was big, um, yeah. and then yeah, got his hands on uh, Ratchet and Clank. So we'd already talked a little bit about it last week, but uh, what were your thoughts? Um, After playing thought, like a third of it in one sitting, you're welcome. I played pretty fast. <laughs> like I, I think I surpassed you in oh, those yeah, no. four hours. You're easily past where I am. Yeah. So the reason I was able to do that is because it plays exactly like a ratchet and clank game. Yeah. Um, yes, it does have new weapons. Yes, there's some new gimmicks to it, but the core feature that makes it a ratchet and clank game of leveling up the weapons, the Looney Tunes style cartoony story and just the vast expanse of the world and the map and kind of the previous knowledge of having a Ratchet and Clank game plays definitely helped me to surpass you that fast. But it just felt so natural. There was so much to love about that game. I can gush about it all day. I won't, I promise. But I could definitely gush about it all day 
there yes i did want to have a ps5 by the time ratchet and clink did come out <laughs> yeah clearly that is harder to get your hands on <laughs> but um when i did leave um your house i it did try and find <laughs> like look up to try and find a ps5 because it just it did okay. it maybe want to play it maybe yeah. want to get it sooner than I, i'm expecting but yeah, it's a great game. It's, yeah. It fits that right level of introducing new mechanics as Ratchet and Clank does, but also having something there for older fans like me to enjoy. And brings back one of my favorite of uh, actually making the collectibles mean something. It's not just collectibles for collectibles sake. They actually do stuff, whether it's the armor or the gold bolts, which change skins and change other stuff like we didn't get to it because new game plus but like mm-hmm. adding big head mode back into it <laughs> yeah because that's always a, fa- a favorite where did it happen to like cheat codes where you could do stuff like that yeah i think it's a smart way of doing something like that though is like having them as unlockables in the game that you can kind of just stumble upon that's real smart yeah and then the map is very helpful it's not like other uh i'm going to refer to um Horizon Zero Dawn, where you have to buy a map right. to um to find out where all the other all the collectibles are. It just automatically gives it to you, and that's very helpful as someone who wants to complete a level before I move on. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. It plays really well on your TV, very <laughs> smooth. Um, yes. We had lots of particle effects going on, and did not struggle one bit. No. You did manage to walk through a wall speedrunner style and break it for a moment, but I uh, did break the game twice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um I broke through a wall and then I broke through the floor and fell for like five thousand meters. So I hit <laughs> an, a strange area, which I assume is possibly endgame. Don't know because I, I couldn't figure anything out from there. I'm guessing it's just one of those side areas that's just sort of that's where they put it in the in the design of the game and that's sort of where you stumble right. on it. But it <laughs> did like kind of open the eyes of wow like if anyone really wanted to build out into this big vast space that yeah there's plenty of much more there's a hell of a lot more room that they could have worked with but chose not to. So this is just like the beginnings of what they could do. <laughs> I'm very excited to see what other developers can do with the PS5 technology because yeah, I was falling for quite a while and that's a <laughs> lot of space to cover. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they did a pretty good job on this one. It seems like that, uh, yeah, you're probably going to see a lot, of, a lot of talk about this at the end of the year as well. I think this is going to be a favorite for a lot of people. I mean, it's already a favorite right here. Hello. <laughs> Yeah. Then again, it's playing directly to its audience, which is me. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's just for you. Sometimes it's just for me. Also, uh, the new characters from the um, Rifting Worlds yeah. did not feel forced. It felt right. very natural, which yeah. could really easily be a problem of we want to force feed you this new world. Right. But it felt very natural from yeah. right from the beginning. I think overall, the story stuff is really well done. I think that it's very easy to forget that these games have stories because it's not usually the focal point. 
and they kind of go back and forth about like what the tone is on this thing. They they nail the tone here and they really nail the characters and like everything just feels like you said supernatural. It like it feels like one of the like a good family movie in the way that it's just like all the characters are likable, the jokes are funny, the like the like everything's logical, like the the world that they build actually makes sense and it's really cool that they put so much work into it. And they have a lot of callbacks to a lot of the previous games too. Like, right. oh yeah, that is a thing. Because yeah. it calls back to like a game that was like third or fourth in the series. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, that, that did happen. That is something that they can do. Yeah. Like they use it once or maybe twice, but hey, they brought it back for enough like, to, the hardcore fans. Yeah, it's kind of enough to keep the, the hardcore fans amused and entertained, but also plenty of stuff for new people who are new to the series to, to immediately glom onto and enjoy. It's definitely something you can jump into without having any knowledge of the Ratchet universe. But those who do come in with some of that knowledge will also have a good time because they'll just have just enough Easter eggs to keep them keep them occupied. Oh, yeah. It's a good balance. What a good game. I think it's definitely going to be somewhere on our top fives at the end of the year, I would imagine. Um, I mean, right now it's in the forefront, so. <laughs> yeah, so. You that beat that. On Snap, so we'll see. Yeah, that's the challenge to video game developers. Beat, beat this. This is the bar for 2021. <laughs> anyway. I also played something. You played a demo, demo, yeah. but a sequel demo. A, se- a demo for a sequel uh, that is coming very soon. And this is hot off the presses. This was new th- for this past weekend. I played the demo for Neo, colon, The World Ends With You, which is the sequel to, of course, The World Ends With You. Originally a DS game back in the 2000s. Um, has been ported to other platforms since then. I believe there's... Uh, phone and console versions of it now uh, that have simplified the fighting style. Uh, but yeah, this picks up in the same kind of universe as the original. The demo is surprisingly beefy. It's like got a lot of content from the beginning of the game. Uh, for people who are intending on buying the final release when it comes out, your save from the demo does carry over. So you won't have to replay anything, which is kind of nice. But uh, yeah, it's the same kind of idea. You play as a uh, disaffected teenager, because of course, um, that uh, ends up finding out that they have been uh, put in this mysterious game where they must fight demons and survive and beat challenges um, only in a handful of days before their clock expires and then who knows what will happen. Um, Very much like the first game. Uh, So it's just also just like the first game. It's a balance of story very heavy story elements very visual novel-esque where you're talking very very long time with other characters in the game about different things you can also go go around and read pedestrians minds as a mechanic uh to see give hints get hints about like the world and like where you are and what you're doing and then the other half of it is the combat so because this is a console game and not a ds game They've dropped the uh, dual screen controlling two people at once um, concept, which is also how I understand the ports of the game worked as well, and have simplified that to now you are still controlling both characters, but you swap between them one at a time. And your special attacks, your attacks are basically performed by the pins that you have um, attached to your to your character. And different pins do different things. And there's an RPG element of picking which pins make sense in which combat encounters and so on. 
I didn't play a whole lot of it. I played about an hour, and most of that hour, to be honest, was dialogue and story. Not a whole lot of that was actual combat. I didn't really love the combat. I think some people are going to really like it, um, but I think it's the thing. A lot of people like me are going to be like, this is the thing that I have to get through to get more of the story. It's definitely the story is the king here. Like, you definitely want to find out what happens to these characters. It's a compelling enough world stylish enough to be like okay this is a place that i want to be in for a little bit learn more about and the combat maybe take second place of course this is just a demo the full game might have more uh intricacies involved with it if it's anything like the first game there'll be a lot more customization you can do with like that game's version of armor which is basically fashion which you're buying new outfits even though your character never actually shows they've changed it's like <laughs> stat upgrades and stuff in combat uh, stuff like that and different pins of course and collecting pins over the course of the game so yeah i think that fans of the first game will find a lot of cool throwbacks and a lot of cool references to the original one style style is very similar and vibe is very similar and structure is very similar to the first one um so yeah if you like the world ends with you you like those characters you like that world here's more and Upres to current, you know, current um, uh, video game standards. So, yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. I guess is what I'm what I'm saying, and um, I think it'll will be a lot of people's cup of tea, but um, maybe some other people might be disappointed by the combat. All right. Um, so when does it come out? I want to say it's later in July. Uh, so I think it'll be a July release later in the month. Okay. But the demo is available now on pretty much everything. I believe it's out on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, you name it, PC. I'm sure there's a demo out. So. Okay. Uh, reminds me that in July, Pokemon Unite, the League of Legends version, yes. will come out also in July. Yes, the Switch version uh, is launching first beforehand, yes. uh, before the uh, the um, bah, 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 uh, the mobile version, which I'm sure most people will are waiting for. Um, two quick things. I know last week I talked about playing Mario uh, yes. Golf Super Rush. Did not get a chance to play uh, Too busy. Next week we will hear all of your stories from the from the links. We'll see because we'll it's see. the 4th of July weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're telling me, like, as somebody else whose time has gone out the window lately, I, I feel you. Yeah. So. Um, I will eventually get to it um, from what I've seen and what I've slightly played Seems it plays a good. lot like um everybody's golf it's super yes. easy to pick up uh i haven't done any story yet but there's i think six courses which is just like everybody's golf so right. it's very family friendly i did end up having people over and playing other mario games <laughs> of mario um mario kart and mario yeah. and sonic at the olympics because hey that's coming up right right cool uh but yeah um, All right. Well, you'll regale us we'll regale that with stories point. of the Mario Golf experience next week. Yep. And lastly, in news, I know some we don't really keep track of it, but I feel like it is important to say that um, for because it is a big franchise, Fright Nights at Freddy's franchise, the creator, the founder, yeah. Doc Hoffman, stepping out. He is stepping yep. away from the series. He's being yep. left in the publisher's hands as to what they do with it. But what this basically means is you will not never, we will most likely 
I don't say never, but most likely we won't get the true ending from Scott himself. Yeah. But who knows? He may come back 10 years later and say, you messed this up. Here's how it really ends. <laughs> Just like I somehow believe George R. R. Martin will still come back and say, you messed this up. This is how it truly ends. Yeah. Uh, just, to be, just to be clear, he left because of some controversy surrounding political donations he had made um, to the Trump and McConnell campaigns. Um, kind of got the internet kind of stirred up against him. And he was just like, he made some weird statements about what he thought campaign 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 contributions should mean and then immediately announced that he was like yeah i'm leaving the company yep. so uh yeah goes to show you uh, he made his millions <laughs> yeah he got it whether he wanted he got out yep and, uh i think the statement said they wanted to spend time with his family which is sure, sure. you know understandable it's understandable and also kind of code for i made my <laughs> money now yeah i'm gonna go retire he's uh, i'll pull- see you in 10 years when yeah I no longer have kids and need creative outlets. Yeah, he's pulling a Notch. If you remember Notch, the Minecraft guy who did yeah. this exact same thing. Everybody found out his political leanings. Everybody freaked out. He bailed out of Minecraft, sold it to Microsoft, and lives in a mansion now. Yep. So <laughs> very much the same move. Very much. <laughs> and with that, that wraps us up here. Unless you have anything else you want to add. I think that'll do it. I think I said my piece. So uh, yeah, we're good for this episode okay we'll wrap it up yeah we'll wrap this one up thank you for joining us this week plug away media boat podcast i will plug away indeed we'll be back next week for another episode i'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about with my mario golf thoughts with fourth of july talk with um, all sorts of things for you so stay tuned for that but in the meantime, if you want to watch the video versions of our podcast, that's available on YouTube. You can find our channel on youtube.com. If you search Media Boat Podcast, like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications there. If you want to listen to the audio version, you can do that as well. We're on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. Anywhere where you listen to podcasts, you can find us, search Media Boat Podcast to do so. You can also find us on social media channels like Twitter, on Twitter, we're at Media Boat Cast. On Facebook, if you go to Facebook and search Media Boat Podcast, you'll find our page there as well. Say hi, leave a comment if you'd like. You can also say hi and leave a comment or ask us questions on mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. That is the email address to reach us at. If you ask us a question, you may be featured on the podcast. So, hey, say hi and email us away. And I think that'll do it. So thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week for another episode. In the meantime, stay fresh, stay cool. We'll be back. We will enjoy see Fourth you of July. in July. Enjoy yes, for those enjoy of you in your the US, Enjoy your 4th of July holiday. Indeed. For those of you outside the U.S., just enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your weekend. weekend. Exactly. And we'll All be right. back next week with more thoughts on stuff, possibly boss baby thoughts and... <laughs> Uh, any other TV thoughts that we do have? Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. We'll get there next week. That's July's problems. All right. All right, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>